Petersfield's Shine Radio. Shine Radio's Growing Together with Claire Venice and Steve Amos is supported by Alitex. Modern Victorian glasshouses made in South Harting. Hello and thanks for joining us in Growing Together. I'm Claire Venice and I'm joined, as always, by Steve Amos. Good morning. Sunday. Sunny Sunday. It is. (laughs) A sunny Sunday in August. I know. We've had some weather this year, haven't we? It's been crazy. It's been nuts. It's It's been a funny old year, hasn't it? It's so challenging as well. As we've spoke about before, we lost a lot of dahlias over the winter. And I think I probably planted some of mine when it was a bit too hot. Not all of the seedlings have taken. And one thing after another, it's just been absolutely bonkers. Well, yeah, like you said, cold start to the year. Everything was a bit behind itself. Then we had the hottest June ever recorded in the UK and actually in fact on earth is it apparently really? as oh, records wow, are okay. saying the sixth wettest July in the UK since records began in 1836 <laughs> apparently when parts of southern Europe were baking in ridiculous heat yeah and then we had a storm at the beginning of August yes that apparently is the third August storm to have been named since records began in 2015. Very strange. It's crazy, isn't it? I know you've been been away on holiday at the beginning of August and I was away as well in the Lake District walking for the week and um, yeah, it was wet. (laughs) (laughs) There's an old adage, isn't there? There's no such thing as bad weather, just just badly prepared clothing. Yes. But we had fun. Back to gardening. I think the pumpkins are doing better this year because I've not had anybody having to water them this year. Of course. Because it's been so wet. The the results speak for themselves. They're, They're looking quite good. We had a peep. I'm really excited about them. Well, we're back at the Adhurst Estate Allotments. We sat somewhere a little bit different. You know, we've got our little our little social circle in the uh, the top corner of the allotment, which is used as a coffee meeting point. So we thought we'd move somewhere different, didn't we? Yeah, we've wandered down here before in the past, but not for quite a while. No, we're actually sat in the middle of the new Miyawaki Forest. We are. Slightly damp bottom. <laughs> yes, there is that. <laughs> but it's a lovely spot, actually, isn't it? I love being around, surrounded by these trees. At a rough count out, I think somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 trees I think. That's amazing. Yeah. Because they were planted in the autumn winter time last year weren't they? Yeah that's right they were planted in sort of bare root planting season so I think the last trees went in February March time. Looking around I think most of them have taken which is awesome. Well, they are. They're a good three, getting onto four foot high. And they're fenced so the deer can't get to them. It's a lovely spot here. Now, explain why why was a Miyawaki forest planted in this area, Steve? We've done a lot of tree planting over the years, and it's not newfangled by any stretch of the imagination, but keen to work with the Tree Council and Hampshire County Council to plant the first Miyawaki forest. And it's, it's an interesting way of planting trees because it's so densely packed. They grow really quickly. They create a real diverse, ecosystem and it complements the other planting that we've got around the area you know where we are is a nice sort of sheltered area in front of us we've got the lime and the elm tree plantation and just over to the right we've got the hazel plantation it's a good spot and we got very generously donated money from Hampshire County Council to do this project and it's it's worked really well it looks so far so good this is an area for wildlife isn't it yes Absolutely. You know, from insects up, basically. Yeah. You know, it's a whole ecosystem. And this is the first one that was planted? Certainly in, in Hampshire. Hampshire yeah, 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 yeah. I think in the whole of Hampshire. And one of the first in the country. So it's very exciting. Exciting? Yeah, yeah, no, it's really good. It's great spot. Well, I'm thrilled to be sat here. It's a lovely place to be. Thanks so much, Steve, for bringing me down here again. No problem at all. So joining us in this episode is Helia Bowling, who is an expert when it comes to growing flowers for a cut flower garden. And along with her business partner, Sophie Van Gerwen, 
They run the Sows and Grows online classes, which can see you through the year with cut flowers. And so she talks about flowers that you can grow in autumn, which will give you a head start for flowers in the springtime. And also, Steve went to meet with Lynette Clark from the Steep Flower Show in Hampshire, which takes place on the 26th yeah, of August. August bank holiday weekend. Well, you mentioned holidays, Steve, and yeah, I went to France. Oh, there's nothing like a French market. Do you know what? I've not been for a few years now. I do love a French market. I'm a bit of a cheese monster, oh, I have okay. to say. Yep. They were selling gorgonzola by the scoop. Ooh. Not by the slice, <laughs> but by the scoop. Absolutely amazing. Well, I love the tomatoes. I'm always drawn to the tomatoes. Okay. Because they have so many different they varieties. They do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing, more so than we grow commercially in this country. So I'm definitely inspired to grow some different varieties, larger tomatoes next year. And there are so many varieties. You know, we were talking to the plant heritage people, weren't we, when we were at Hampton Court the other week. And there are so many heritage varieties as well. We should be growing, shouldn't we? Really? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. our cucumbers. Like our cucumbers. Like our Lovely crystal lemon cucumbers. Yes. How yes. are they coming along? They're looking good. I should pick some actually and give them a try. Oh, excellent. Yes, I think they're ready to go. I hope they're delicious. I really hope they're delicious. You and me Steve. both, Claire. You and me both. <laughs> so at the allotment, Steve, everything has grown in the rain that we had in July. What have you been doing here? Well, a few weeks ago, I harvested the onions and sorted those out for the table and the show bench. So the ones for the show bench are at home curing. So they've all been stripped of their broken skins and washed and talcum powdered and, and are now drying or curing. The other ones are here just in the outside just drying nicely on pallets. Potatoes, harvested the potatoes, again sorted those for the table and sorted those for the show bench and fairly pleased with them actually. The oh, show, okay. looking, looking really good actually. Beans, I have some beans. They're looking good. They're looking all right. Yep. Dahlias, dahlias are taking up a lot of time this time of year just sort of pinching out side shoots and stuff like that but project wedding yes is looking good okay yeah i, I i'm sleeping easier the, the flowers are starting to form it's nearly the time for the wedding first weekend in september touch wood we're, we're sat on wood chip so i'm touching wood <laughs> that we're going to be okay for the dahlias oh that's good yeah. Steve. do yeah. you stake them because they do get to a certain height don't they and, and yeah they, they do so there's a couple of different ways of supporting dahlias um, and depending how you're growing them really a lot of the what i call the big time showers they stake them however what i do is over each bed i put six stout stakes and then stretch a 10 centimeter roped netting over the top about two foot high and let the plants grow through those and that supports them and i found that works really well bit of trial and error over the years i used the sort of the extruded plastic netting which isn't strong enough because you know the dahlia plants get quite big and when they get wet the heads get really heavy and then when the wind comes it just smashed all the netting so i found this company the rope seller he's called down in the west country and he does knotted rope netting and it's really strong and i've had it now for four or five years and it's still going strong that's yeah. interesting because helia bowling who grows lots of cut flowers she uses a similar structure so it works really well for the flowers to grow up through you can make life difficult for yourself and i think not being a full-time gardener staking them is probably a better way of doing it but so much more time consuming which i don't have i found this works well for me we're talking of Helia. Let's hear what she has to say for growing cut flowers this autumn. Something to look forward to. 
I'm delighted to be back in the garden of Helia Bowling, who joined us in Growing Together earlier on in the year to talk about seeds you can sow for a cut flower garden. Well, we're back in Helia's garden looking at the beautiful flowers she has grown this year and she's cutting in her garden some of the flowers now. Hi, Helia. Hello. Everything's gone a bit crazy in the garden with the rain that we've been having, but actually it's lovely to see it all blooming. And it looks beautiful up here in your garden. And you have four flower beds full of flowers that you have sown this year. And you mentioned earlier on that you plan your planting on when you sow the seeds. So some are autumn sown seeds and some are spring sown seeds. That's right. That's right. There's various times in the year you can sow. And the reason you do that is to get a better spread of flowers across the year. And also because when you've got a space to plant up, I find it can be a bit overwhelming suddenly to think, well, where do I put everything? So I divide it up into different spaces according to when I sow them. I sow in the autumn. By autumn, I mean sort of late August, September, and it gets them going And then they kind of overwinter nicely and they sort of go dormant. But under the ground, all the roots are growing really well. And then the bonus of autumn sowing is you get early flowers in the year. Just when you're spring sowing, but your spring sown seedlings are tiny, your autumn sown seedlings, because they've got this massive root ball that they've grown through the year, they are ready to go as soon as the weather warms up. And so you get early flowers from about May when your spring sown seedlings are tiny. And so it's such a bonus. I love autumn sown seeds. For me, this year has been the year of larkspur. Larkspur is like an annual delphinium and they have been huge, huge stems of totally glamorous purple and white and blue flowers and they're only just going over in fact I could probably pick a few of the shorter stems but this is the time when the spring sown flowers are taking over just as the autumn ones are on their way out a bit and that's lovely. Great to have that extended flowering season isn't it as a result of sowing seeds in the autumn and we're coming up to that time of year now and you run a workshop along with Sophie Van Gerwen called Sows and Grows. How long have you been running the workshops together? We've done our first full year of workshops although we both we both used to do sort of informal sowing and growing on Instagram and Zoom but we came together last year and we started off with our first biennial sowing session in the summer and biennials are a proper long-term seed to sow because you have to sow them the summer before you want them to flower so they go through a whole growing season and then flower the next year so we started with those and we sow according to the season so we do the summer biennials we're just about to start our autumn sowing we've done winter sowing and we did our spring sowing back in April. So yes, I can't quite believe that we're still feeling in the middle of summer, but we're already thinking about our autumn sown flowers for next year. We were thinking that you feel like the summer's slipping away, but actually you harness the summer sun to germinate those seeds that are going to give you flowers next year, which is a lovely feeling really, something to look forward to, you know flowers constantly I think. Well I've been inspired by you this year. I think there's something so important about keeping gardening going throughout the seasons and I find that autumn winter 
can be the hardest time of year for a, a gardener. And I like to have things to look forward to. So it's really nice to know that there are seeds you can sow in the autumn as you look forward to the following year. No, absolutely. It really it gives you that sort of little bit of hope that you've, you've started your garden for the following year. It honestly gets me through the winter, even clearing all the beds, having bare soil. I know I've got some seedlings that actually will survive outside through um, a hard winter or they will sit in my greenhouse and they don't require an awful lot of looking after, just a little bit of checking on. Can't forget about them totally, but you can see that they, they grow some lovely strong roots coming through the pots and you know that they're ready to go out once the weather gets a little bit warmer. But they're hardy, they're hardy annuals. So they're, they're pretty good at withstanding frosts and some of them are even okay with snow. Like cornflowers are pretty tough, actually. Cornflowers are perfectly happy outside. Nigella, for something so delicate looking, Nigella is very, very hardy. That's interesting because you wouldn't have thought. You think. So you mentioned you mentioned the cornflowers and Nigella. Are there any other seeds that you could recommend people could start sowing in the autumn? Oh, well, you can start thinking about sowing some calendula. That would keep going through the winter. Larkspur, Ami. So the Ami Majus. So I think we've have we got any Ami? No, I think we've Ami Majus is over, but we've got Ami Visnaga, which is a different type of Ami, which is more of a lime green, a bit like cow parsley, sort of quite frothy. That is perfectly happy over the winter. I also grow some snapdragons, some antirhinums in the autumn as well, um, because they take a long time to get going. They're actually not hardy. They have to stay in the greenhouse and they are the tiniest seeds. But if you can grow them in the autumn, you get early antirhinums and they are spectacular. They're probably... They are one of my favourites, I think. <laughs> that seemed like a hard decision. It's quite hard. It's like, what's <laughs> my favourite flower today? The one that is, it really is one of my favourites is the scabious. You can see the black hat there, which has got, it's really dark, well, almost black, and it has these little sparkles of white on it. It's called the pincushion flower, and I love those. I think they are spectacular. Cerinthi, which is this sort of slightly bluey, greeny leaf with a purpley flower, which you can see the bees are loving. Mm. That can be grown in the winter as well, but it's less hardy. So if you have snow, that won't like it. So sometimes I take a chance and see, you know, if we have a mild winter, that will that will grow as well. Yeah, it looks lovely. Actually, yes. that's a really, really pretty colour, isn't it's it? It's very pretty. Now, yes. do you need to have a greenhouse or can they be grown indoors in your kitchen, maybe? Well, I quite often germinate things indoors in the kitchen um, because you can be a bit more certain of your temperatures. But once they're germinated, they need the air and the light that a greenhouse gives. It's very useful to have a greenhouse, I would say, for autumn some things will survive outside fine but again you're a bit dependent on the weather but you can get these very cheap I call them zippies zippy greenhouses which are sort of shelving units with a plastic cover that you zip on and off and I find that they can be a great greenhouse substitute they've got shelves you can put them outside so they get the air they get the light and they get the protection at night so I would recommend one of those and they're perfectly good for seeds okay good to know good to know <laughs> so your sows and grows courses you have one for the autumn how can people find out more about it if they're interested in joining your workshops oh yes well have a look at our website which is www.sowsandgrows.co.uk or have a look on my Instagram, which is garden underscore goddess underscore UK. And have a look in my bio and you'll see the link to our autumn course. And our classes are, they're hosted on Facebook. 
We have a group of our growers who are generally all either beginners or people who have grown before, but like a little bit of support in either deciding what to grow because you have a book of a thousand seeds that you could sow and that can be a bit overwhelming. So we choose some seeds to grow. We demonstrate on uh, Facebook Live how to sow them and you can access those lives anytime you like to suit you. You can come on live with us or you can watch it at your leisure. And we help you know how to sow each particular seed and then how to grow them once they've germinated. And quite often that can be the hardest thing. The germination is sometimes the easy bit. It's the keeping them alive and knowing how to pot them on look after them and then actually plant them out because believe me it's really hard to plant out those seedlings that you've nurtured you know how much effort you've put into getting some seedlings to the stage where they can go in the ground and we sort of say we hold your hand throughout all of this and we're available all the time to answer any questions and the people who have been on our courses have just got such amazing seedlings and flowers that they have also learnt to cut that can be another difficult thing is cutting your own flowers so we have a lot of fun we give support and we share the successes and the failures we all fail at this as well and that's good to know that sometimes it doesn't work but we encourage you to do it again and to try again and that it wasn't that you did something wrong it's just that the seeds didn't want to germinate that time and sometimes you know it's very easy to give up on growing flowers if you have one failure you just think you've done it wrong and you stop and actually it's, it's probably nothing you did it's just they didn't like the circumstances that day it's nice to know that that's okay isn't it it's okay yeah. and you yeah. can do it again and actually some of our seeds need a bit of special attention they're they're tricky ones and we we have a mixture of easy to grow ones or easier to grow and some of the tricky ones and we've got a few tips and tricks for the tricky ones so yes our growing classes are fun we really enjoy them they're eight weeks long and Sophie and I do them together it's good to grow together (laughs) it really it really is this is not about growing flowers like a flower farm these are people with small gardens sometimes just pots and to see what you can grow from a few seeds that's what I love you don't have to have many seedlings in order to give you a summer full of flowers and great for the pollinators too oh absolutely you know in a year where a lot of people have said they haven't seen bees or butterflies in their garden I honestly think well I've seen so many bees and butterflies through this larkspur and actually a lot of birds feed off some of the flowers that you're growing quite often I've seen a lot of birds fly out of this patch of autumn sown cornflowers and larkspur and there's obviously something in there that they're loving it's a really lovely feeling knowing that you're doing something good for them as well Helia thank you so much for telling us more I will look forward to growing my hardy annuals this autumn lovely Thanks so much, Heliot. Lots of lovely seed sowing inspiration for the autumn. If you'd like to join Helia and Sophie on their autumn sowing course, you can go to their website, sowsandgrows.co.uk. They also have recently announced their own collection of seed packets for hardy annuals. Go and check them out. Sounds good. It does sound great. 
So I don't know about you, Steve, but I like to have something to look forward to. Always. And looking to the autumn, it always makes me a little bit nervous that things are slowing down and I still like to get out and do something in the garden if I possibly can. Mm. What sort of things do you do? Well, there's, the always, there's always stuff to do, isn't there? There's always weeding to do, let's be honest. <laughs> and with, the, with the warm, wet weather we've had, there's a lot of weeding to do. Cutting flowers, deadheading, harvesting your crops, tidying up. And then planning, starting to plan, thinking about spring bulbs, thinking about what sort of colours, what sort of varieties you're going to want for, for the coming spring. And looking at what's worked well and what's not worked well. Now is a good time to, while stuff's still in the ground, is to have a little reflect, look at what's gone well, look at what's not maybe has gone so well and plan accordingly for next year. Well, we let our lawn grow a lot this year. It's been beautiful with wonderful wildflowers and lots and lots of lovely wildlife we've been seeing on there, insects and butterflies. Sounds good. Definitely something that I'm going to continue to is do it? but it does need cutting back now okay how are you going to cut it back what so, are you going to do so I think I'll just check that there's no wildlife living in yeah. the grasses yeah and then I'll probably get a strimmer to it okay not too low to begin with and then leave it all there for a day or two so any seeds any can, seeds can fall. good idea but I know you have the orchard here which we do you let to go we do absolutely I had an email the other day about a haymaking session because the, the grass is probably three foot high in, in places and they're going to use a what they call an allen scythe which is a great bit of kit my dad used to have one on the farm actually they're going to use a combination of an allen scythe and scythes to go and harvest the uh, the grass and very similar to you leave it for a few days turn it let the seeds fall out and then um, get the wildflowers back again for next year definitely the way to go with hard it. work though well i'm not going to use a scythe that's for sure no pole darking is that what it's called? <laughs> yes, you just made up a new verb. Pole darking. To pole dark. Scything without one's shirt on. To pole dark. <laughs> when are they looking to do that? Um, in a few weeks' time. Okay, yeah. brilliant. By the end of August. That'd be interesting. Yeah, 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 no, good fun. Great thing to do. Well, talking of autumn, we are delighted to announce that we have got a special autumn winter growing diary from none other than head gardener Ben Pope, starting in mid-September. So Ben is a local head gardener here. He's also a writer, teacher and creator of The Working Garden, as well as an RHS Herbaceous Committee member. If you want to find out a bit more about Ben, you can follow him on Instagram at The Working Garden. And also he's got the most gorgeous book called What to Sow, Grow and Do, which is a gardening diary throughout the year. So Ben will be joining us. I'm really looking forward to it actually. It should be really interesting. Great to have his expertise. Yeah, no, definitely. Us. You mentioned, Steve, your pumpkins. Yeah, they're looking all right, aren't they? Well, we're growing two types, aren't we? We, I'm going to say, you and I, we, team growing together, are growing pumpkins this year. So, two varieties. We've got the 100 weight, which we got from the Petersfield Pumpkin Growing Association. Yep. And then the ones that I'm growing for the competition here at the allotment, which is the uh, Dills Atlantic Giant. And they're looking all right. They're amazing. I know, we've got five. Okay, that's Five great. pumpkins. I think we've got three of the hundredweights and two of the Atlantic Giants. Each probably, what, 30, 40 centimetres mm-hmm. mm. in diameter at the moment. And it's only August. Great big yellow suns. I know, they're fantastic, aren't they? I, I think, love them. Well, before I leave today, I'm going to go and put boards underneath them obviously with the wet weather we've been having i dread the thought of them rotting underneath so uh, before they get too heavy to lift we need the helicopter in to pick them up (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and then then we'll go and 
chance our arm at the uh, at the association's weigh-in. I'm so excited. Team about growing together. Thank you for doing this, Steve, because my <laughs> pumpkins don't look as good as yours, and I had a feeling yours would be amazing, and mine wouldn't be so good. Well, after last year's not disaster, we won't call it a disaster, but um, last year's disappointment. A lot of prep went into the uh, the pumpkin bed this year, so if they didn't grow, I was going to give up. Oh. Quite frankly. <laughs> well, it's definitely showing. Yeah, no, it's looking all right. Yeah, so it's good. with pumpkins, when they grow, obviously they will continue to grow. The plants will continue to grow. Do you stop them yes. flowering? Yeah, yeah, I do. Where they've got to the edge of the the patch that I've got, I just take a pair of secateurs and just keep them trimmed back. Okay, so you keep doing that, keep an eye yeah. on them and keep doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so any new fruit that I see forming, I just go and get the secateurs and just take those off. So all the energy goes into the, the five that we've got. Makes sense. Yeah. And do you feed them on a regular basis as well? I'm not going to ask what you feed them with. <laughs> yes, yes, no, they're being fed, fed once a week. They're enjoying it. They seem to be. It's so exciting. <laughs> when you move the leaves away and you see these beautiful brown It's really exciting, isn't bench. it? I think they're going to make magnificent Halloween carvings. Lots of pumpkin soup. Well I know you mentioned that you have a competition here for the pumpkins as well yep. and you grow for shows coming up. Yes. Also now you met with Lynette Clark from the Steep Flower Show and this is the 102nd, 102nd Steep. year of the Steep Flower Show. Yeah. yeah. So I had a good chat with Lynette in her beautiful garden. We talk a little bit about it so uh, have a listen. Well, we're flying into show season and I've come up to Steep, where at the Steep Flower Show it all began for me. I'm not going to call it my obsession, but um, my, my minor obsession into showing flowers and vegetables. And I'm joined by Lynette, the chair of the Steep Flower Show. Good afternoon, Lynette. Good afternoon, Steve. Thanks for coming up to see me. I have to ask you to describe where we are, Lynette. It's absolutely stunning up here. Well, we're sitting um, in the garden of my house, which is the oldest house in Steep. It's a fabulous garden, which was designed by Inigo Triggs, who was an arts and crafts gardener. He actually designed the war memorial in Steep, which was one of the first in the country, in fact. And the house was renovated in 1910 by his business partner, Unsworth, who is buried in the graveyard next door. Oh, and go. the view that we can see there is the, the South Downs. And the furthest, furthest view you can get on a clear day is, is of Shanktonbury Rings. Oh, wow. So that's a long old way from here then, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it yeah. seems close. It almost feels like you can touch it today. Yeah, no, beautiful. And um, can't go without mentioning the, the yew hedges here as well. The topiary, yes. The topiary, so, it's so again, beautiful, that was, isn't it? Inigo Triggs would have put that in, and, and it was, I, I understand, even more extensive than it is now, um, about double the size. So this is what now survives. But it's still enough, and it's still rather stunning. It's beautiful. So let's talk about the Steep Flower Show. How did you get involved in the Steep Flower Show, uh, Lynette? Well, I, uh, my mother-in-law was the chairman for many, many years, um, about 15 years ago or so. And during that time, do you know what? I wasn't in the least bit interested. I was very, very busy at work. And um, although we had a garden elsewhere, it wasn't one of my passions. When you move into a house like this, you can't help but get interested in flowers. And very soon after we arrived, there was a knock at the door and Judy Thompson, who was the chair of the flasher at the time said, Oh, just come round to see you and introduce myself. I'm the chair of Steep Flower Show. And we wondered if Tim, your husband, would like to, to join the committee and possibly become chair. And I said, no, no, he wouldn't, but I will. <laughs> so here we are. And there we yes. are. And how long have you been doing it for now? Uh, well, I've actually been involved in the show. I think this will be now my fourth year. Because what I did in, to start with was just helped out on the committee. And I said, I don't want to actually become a committee member. I'll just do whatever you tell me, yep. whatever needs doing. Happy to help. Anyway, I've now, this is now my second year as the chair. Fair enough. 
What does the show mean to you then? Because it's been going for over 100 years, hasn't it? It's one even of the older... older than me. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite as old as the house, but definitely yeah. older than you. So, um, well, I think it's, it's a fun community event where all the village get together from all different ages. And there's, there's classes for little children from four upwards. There's not just flowers. I always think it's a bit of a misnomer, really, calling it the flower show, because the flowers is just a part of it. Yeah. There's obviously the vegetables, there's the jams, the cakes, the, the art, the photography, flower arranging. It's what arranging. I'd call a yeah. proper traditional village yes, show, isn't it? it? it is. No animals. No animals, no, 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 no. no um, and I think... but, but there's something for everyone. And I mean, even things like the, the limerick, it's absolutely hilarious. There's a huge huge rivalry goes on um you know it's a bit of fun each year to see who who wins that so that there really is something for everybody and it's just a nice lovely day where we just all have a, a lot of fun so who can enter is it is it just village members or can can people from further no, afield come and very, enter we're very very happy to welcome anybody from any of the surrounding villages and obviously petersville a lot of people even on the committee actually i think 50 percent of our committee is made up from people who live in petersville so it's the surrounding areas we're, we're very, very keen to welcome whoever wants to have a go. Yeah. We well, call ourselves the Have A Go Flower Show. And do you know what? I think that's really important, <laughs> isn't it? And, I, and I, as you know, I do a few shows. And I think one of the things I get from shows, and I, I got from shows and I know, still get is is the camaraderie and the the willingness of people in horticulture to share ideas mm-hmm. share what they're doing and and encourage younger people other people to come and enter the mm-hmm. show and I, I definitely get that feel at steep oh that's good that's really how we want to, want it to be so what is there to do at the show then obviously to, to look at the the lovely produce mm-hmm. and and people's baking and creativity is there other stuff to do at the show well i go back to actually the show itself because i tell you one of the many reasons i did decide to get involved is the first first time I walked into that tent when it was full of all the flowers and the produce and everything I nearly burst into tears it was so beautiful I had no idea how beautiful it was so that's just one thing just the spectacle itself is is heartwarming but then there's lots of cakes so a lot of people around the village etc make cakes and we have tea and cakes and we have some very fun traditional games there is a game called welly wanging you have to throw a welly as far as you possibly can there's another is that as technical as it sounds that is as technical as it is yeah (laughs) Uh, then uh, and that does get quite competitive at all ages so that's for everybody there is um, another rather fun game called splat the rat no rats are harmed during it um, actually to be honest i'm never i've never actually tried that one myself and then we have a raffle so there's some very nice prizes being donated already this year from local businesses we're obviously very grateful to them for that yep there's a there's a bottle stall so um you can enter a kind of a raffle to win a bottle of wine or a bottle of fizz or some shampoo anything that's in a bottle is on offer the Fair enough. And, and the entertainment, I know, the National Youth Jazz Orchestra. Yes, they are superb. So we have a lovely quartet come from the National Youth Jazz Orchestra and this this will be their third year with us and they are absolutely superb. They are amazing, yeah, aren't they? Just, if, en- if anybody just wants to come and sit and watch them for a couple of hours, it's just two pounds to enter. So it, it, it's a great it's a great afternoon. So what about entering the show then, Lynette? If there's somebody listening that fancies having a go, how do you enter the show? Right, so we have a website now, which I will give you the address of in a minute. And that basically, you go online, all the classes are in there. You um, pay 30p per class, enter that, pay in advance and then early in the morning on Saturday morning you come along very early in the morning like seven o'clock on Saturday morning you come along with your entries get them laid up in the tent in the relevant classes etc and hold your breath and hope that you win something fingers crossed here yeah, we go yeah.
So obviously the, the show doesn't run itself, and you, I know you've got a, a healthy committee, but if you wanted to get involved, if any of the listeners wanted to get involved in coming and volunteering and helping out in the show, would, would they be welcome? They would be extremely welcome. And it is the thing that we have struggled with over the years. In fact, I, I gather that even in, for a couple of years in the early 1970s, the show had to stop because there weren't enough people to help. We are running dangerously close to being in that situation again. So yes, we would love if you just want to come along for a couple of hours to help us with the teas or man the wellies or man splat the rat, take the money at the door, take the money for the teas, all of those little jobs, somebody has to do them. And they're all done by volunteers. And I have to say, even though I say so myself, the day itself runs like clockwork and everybody that is involved, we're hugely grateful to. And yes, we do need a few more people. So if you are at all interested, please do give me a call or an email and again we'll give you those details afterwards fantastic Lynette if you could just give us the, the website address okay on, it is it. <laughs> steepflowershow.org.uk if you go onto that you'll find the email address and all the contact details but Perfect. everything that you need to know is on our little website Lynette thanks so much for your time it's been lovely talking to you Steve lovely to see you and good luck at the show and don't forget the Steep Flower Show is taking place on Saturday August the 26th it starts at 2pm prize giving is at 4pm so if you're in the Hampshire area and you happen to be free, do go along and see the Steep Flower Show. Steve, we're surrounded by the most amazing elderberry trees that are yeah, we, throwing out loads of gorgeous fruit and blackberries too. Yeah, we're very lucky. We've got some fantastic hedgerows here. As you say, the elderberries, blackberries bursting with fruit. And, you know, obviously that encourages the wildlife. Lots of mammals, lots of bird life. It's just a really lovely place. And this time of year, coming into that September, autumn time, where it is blackberry picking season, we've got loads here, which is lovely. I've got a special place that I go to as Have well. Have you? for blackberry picking and there's always plenty for everybody to share wildlife and humans alike yeah yeah but it's lovely just to have some in the freezer so you can make crumbles Crumbles, and pies and jams a couple of years ago the community garden had an apple pressing session the kids went off and picked a load of blackberries as well and in amongst the the apple juice that we were making we put blackberries as well so it's blackberry and apple pressed juice my goodness me it was good that's one of the best combinations oh it was so tasty just drinking it straight from the press was amazing. Well, my apples are also nearly ready. I have a variety called Discovery. I have five espalier apple trees at home and two pear. Different well, varieties, yeah, yeah. and they're all ripe at different times. But the Discovery is the first. It's the first, is yeah, it? Yeah, end of August. They go a beautiful, beautiful red. Okay. Like a snow white. Oh, really? Apple. So tasty. It's always the first taste of apples that we have, and I absolutely love them. Cool. Just love this time of year for yeah, apples. Yeah. We That's also good. have a crab apple tree. Oh, yeah, and how's that looking? It's, well, not looking that full of fruit i'm really disappointed actually again funny year because it had a lot of blossom but i think it was a cold snap so we haven't got that much fruit on it having said that there is a gentleman in the village who said his crab apple tree is full oh really and he's opened it up to people who would like to go and help themselves oh, so i thought it was very generous so crab apple jelly Love we're going to be okay yeah exactly good. Good, spice good, good, crab good. apple jelly is Excellent. on the menu again so enjoy what you can this time of year yeah. in the hedgerows Steve, it's been lovely talking to you again at the Adhurst Estate Allotments in the Miyawaki Forest. We'll look forward to uh, hopefully seeing you at the Steep Flower Show. Looking forward to that. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode of Growing Together. And thanks also to our guests, Helia Bowling and Lynette Clark. If you enjoy listening to Growing Together, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us a question or say hello to joinusandgrow at gmail.com or you can say hi and follow us on Instagram. Go to growingtogether.com underscore podcast we'll be back in september so until then 
Happy gardening. Growing together is new twice a month and supported by Alitex, modern Victorian glass houses made in South Harting. Get the latest editions of Growing Together at any time at shineradio.uk. Come on, Petersfield, let's build a band. A beat from Dragon Street and a snare from the square. A bass from Penn's Place, a gliss from Liss. And a fill from Bell Hill. Ooh, some vocals from us locals. And the Dave Gilmore of Tilmore. Only Petersfield's Shine Radio plays original music from local musicians. The Local Showcase with Mandy P is sponsored by Brickyard Studios. Petersfield's professional recording studio, rehearsal space and PA hire. The Local Showcase, Thursday nights at 9 and always online at shineradio.uk.